Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host for Nick's Nerd. What up, friends? What's today? The 7th of October? Jesus, man. It's a never-ending year. Granted, we're not... God, it's just gone by so slow. Anyway. Anyway. You're not here to listen to my negativity, my Debbie Downerness. You're here to listen to me talk about nerd shit and all the other nonsense that goes on in the world. But hey, hey, huh? Welcome to Nick's Nerd News. I'm your host, Nick. If that wasn't blatantly obvious by just the name of the show. Because, you know... Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, you know, while you're here, before we get down to business, why don't you guys like and subscribe and in your preferred podcast service of choice, you know... Obviously, you wouldn't be keep coming back if, if you weren't listening to the show, though. And anyway, anyway, why don't we just get into the thick of it, huh? Why don't we not waste time on on the pleasantries? Y- you know me by now. We're 100 and almost 30 episodes deep here. You know, we're on 126 at this point. Got a couple things to talk about. And, and you know, 2020 has been a fun year, and guess what? Uh, something from, that's been in our lives for quite a while will, will not be making it, its leap to 2021. And, uh, gotta pour one out here for the homies. Spent a lot of time on this game back in, uh, high school and, and my freshman year of college. Farmville. Zynga has announced that Farmville will be shutting down at the end of 2020. December 31st, to be exact. And they put up on their servers, Farmville is going away, uh, mainly because it runs Adobe Flash, which doesn't really happen anymore. Uh, Payments are going to end on the 17th of November, and I guess it's mainly because Facebook is removing support for Flash games at the end of the year as well. So a lot of people, I guess millions of people still play this game, allegedly, which I'm kind of shocked by. I don't know if this means Farmville 2 is ending, or... I don't know. Apparently Farmville 3 is on the way. For mobile devices? Do people still play farming games? I just... I mean, yeah, they do. Because, you know, Animal Crossing. <laughs> I forgot about that, how that took over this year. But... It, it it's interesting again to see a game like that actually end and it's all because of flash which again shows you what the future is and and how the future is changing and how things from one's childhood eventually disappear after a while i'm looking at you vhs tapes <laughs> anyway that uh you got to pour one out though a lot of a lot of time i spent on farmville what probably for the first year of its life i don't think i played beyond what 2011 i think at the most is the last time i probably touched farmville because by then farmville 2 had come out but crazy crazy farmville's ending crazy and yeah man farmville over that launched zynga into like the stratosphere though That's it about that. How about this? So, we've been talking about Halo Infinite for a couple months now at this point. And what's very odd is it was delayed, obviously, into next year. And, of course, Xbox Series X is now pre-orderable. If if you got one, or if you can, or I know they're going to have stock again on launch day. But, how about this? You can pre-order Halo Infinite. Which makes me think that it's not that long of a delay. Because you usually can't pre-order a game a year ahead of time. Because for A, for one, you couldn't order Halo Infinite 
six months ago, even though the game was originally supposed to launch in November, right? And you can pre-order at all major retailers. Best Buy has a special one where you can get a version with a Master Chief statue. But what this makes me think is that Halo Infinite is coming out in the spring. Because I don't think they'd let you pre-order a game this far in advance. And a lot of their material and promotional stuff is coming out early, obviously, because that stuff was ready to go. And while I understand that the, the perfect move would be to delay it a full year to allow it to launch on the 20th anniversary of the first game, I think releasing it earlier is a lot better for console sales-wise, because while Halo might not be the console seller it used to be, it will still move units, even though it's going to be on Xbox One as well as Series S and X. So the fact that it's pre-orderable, I don't think it's being delayed into the fall of 2021. And that's just me. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But just by the fact that you can pre-order it, I, I don't think they needed that much extra time on it. But I don't want to say that I think I'm perfect. I think I'm making... I, I Like I said, I could be completely wrong. And it probably is in the fall to give them the most amount of time and maximize their effort to make sure they release a top-tier Halo game in the vein of the original trilogy. And 343 really wants to try and wash off as much of the stink as they can from their last few games that have had mixed mixed reviews across the board. So as long as they can take what worked in 4 and what worked in 5 and put those together and get something that reaches the heights of, of 2 and 3 and, and 1, they're golden. And I know that's a high bar to ask for and a high bar to reach, but it's achievable. Now, not reaching the same heights, but getting there and above what 4 and 5 were, that's all we can ask for. That's all we can ask for at this point. Just don't release a broken Halo game, right? And delaying, while it's shitty, is in the best interest of everyone. But, beyond that, I did want to talk about two new games that came out last week. Uh, Crash Bandicoot 4, It's About Time, and... Star Wars Squadrons from EA. Now, I'm sure you're saying to yourself, Crash 4, didn't Crash 4 come out for the PS2 way back when? You would be right, technically. However, Crash 4 is a direct sequel to Crash 3 or Crash Bandicoot Warped, which was the last Crash mainline game on the PlayStation. Uh, Was it Wrath of Cortex was on the PlayStation 2? And in some regions, it was actually branded as Crash 4. So it's interesting to see this as Crash 4. And what's funnier is there's been like a shit ton of Crash games that have just come out since, you know. But, of course, Activision is building off of the hype of of the Insane Trilogy that released, what, I think a year year and a half ago. And while this one doesn't look exactly like those, it it is a, a definite continuation of the series. Where it starts off easy and turns into a very hard game and and when i say hard i mean like there is a like a 90 degree shift like it it is or not 90 but like a 180 right and you go from being oh i can get all the boxes and all this shit to like oh no i can't get all the boxes i i'm what two a quarter a quarter of the way through, I think, three or four. I'm on the, I don't know, they split it up by islands, kind of, just like the first game. So it's not, um, you're not going up levels and into portals, like uh, two and three and stuff. And what's, what's really cool is they introduce, like, series staples right off the bat. So, like, the the third-person view, but where you're running at the camera being chased by something. The switching from like 2D plat- side-scroller platform to third-person view platformer and some original enemy types and things like that. So it's it's very, very interesting to see how they introduce stuff and then the new mechanics right away as well. Uh, you do have an option to play like classic style with limited lives or like a new style with unlimited lives, which is like a newer way to do things. Of course, I do the punishingly hard and old-school way <laughs> as I grew up playing Crash. Uh, it is, some things are can throw you off a little bit, so like there's a little marker when you jump 
to kind of see where Crash is so you don't lose his place, which, out of everything, that's probably the best thing they've ever added to a Crash game because you never know where the fuck you're going to land with Crash, which is somewhat infuriating with some games because it's like, uh, what's going on here? <laughs> uh, you don't want to... The hitbox in Crash is notorious for being very, very big, um, but at the same time, very, very small when trying to land on a platform. So it, it, it is a good thing that they added this marker. It's a little circle that appears whenever you jump, essentially. Uh, they've also added a lot of new mechanics that are a welcome addition uh, on top of that. There's like a rail mechanic that they've added, and uh, a lot of the death animations are the same, which is fun, so it keeps continuity with the old games. Uh, however, what's different is they've added skins, which are kind of dumb. Uh, you can play as Coco, Crash's sister now. That's nice. Uh, I haven't gotten it yet, but you can unlock to play as Cortex, which is, again, another new feature and, and different villains, I guess, from from Crash's history. So it's a lot of fun stuff that also inter in introduces, like, like, a multiverse-type idea, which getting played out now at this point before we even get the MCU multiverse. Anyway, that's a different topic. The game is is fun, very fun indeed, and it, it's nice that they brought a lot of stuff back and are introducing a lot of new things that feel almost as if they were in the original games as well or would have fit perfectly into the original games if, if, if they were made today. And what I really enjoy is that it, it just... You almost have muscle memory playing it if you've played any Crash game in the past. And me being Crash being my first game. And I talked about this when the Insane Trilogy came out. And it's just, it, it's really great to play Crash again. I did get it on PS4. I know it's rare for me to get a multi-platform game on PS4. But it, it's, it's for continuity's sake. You know what I mean? It's I've played every... Crash game on a PlayStation, and I didn't feel like I should stop now, and hence why I got um, the Spyro Reignited trilogy on on PlayStation as well. Now, if what they've been able to do with Crash is successful, and Crash Four, like I said, is a real great thing, if they could reinvent Spyro again or reboot Spyro and bring it back to like a classic and make it like official Spyro Four or Five, however they want to treat it, since uh, technically there was a Spyro 4 on, on PlayStation 2, which, surprisingly, I never played the Spyro games on PlayStation 2. Come to think of it, I don't think I played any Crash game after the PS2 one. Anyway, I'm getting distracted there. But, no, it's it's a really great return to form, and it's it's a surprising welcome and addition to the franchise, and it, it I'm happy that they kind of went back and wanted to make sure that it was like a true sequel to the first three, considering all these other ones that were not great. Uh, the It's about time name I saw online. It's like, it's funny because it's been like 10 years since the last actual Crash game. Um, but it's also been like almost 20 since Crash 3. So it's it's like a double entendre, essentially. So let let me, I'm going to, um, the other thing, while, while, while I'm looking that up, I was going to talk about the, the the other new mechanic that I forgot to mention that it added was the, um, there's these new masks that give different temporal type abilities or, or things like that. And essentially what it does is it allows you to enable different ones. Like this first mask that you get allows you to like switch dimensions kind of. So like different platforms and things are available in the different dimensions and it adds a whole new layer of platforming, which is fun <laughs> to a degree. <laughs> so yeah, so the, uh, of course the original trilogy was created by Naughty Dog and that those games came out between 1996 and 1998, so it's been over 20 years, which then leads to, you know, because Wrath of Cortex, which was technically Crash 4, was made by Traveler's Tales... Um, and Universal published those back then as well. But that was nine, uh, 2000 when that game came out. So technically that was 4. But at the same time, uh, the last mainline Crash game to come out was technically Nitro Kart 2 in, in 2010. Um, but that was a, you know, technically a, a mobile game, which was a sequel to another mobile game, which was a Nitro Kart game. But 
the actual last mainline crash game was Mind Over Mutant, which was back when Activision and uh, Radical were working on them. And that game came out in 2008. So it's been 12 years since the last crash game. So in, in reality, and we're not talking about, you know, Insane Trilogy or Crash Team Racing or anything. Insane Trilogy came out in 2017? Holy fuck. Holy fuck, dude. Anyway, whoa. That's crazy. Anyway. um, Whoa. Sorry. I have a little Crash Bandicoot, uh, like, bobblehead. that I, Oh, that was from Crash Team Racing. Never mind. That's why that's a lot newer, because that game came out last year. Uh, Nitro-fueled. Anyway. <laughs> Um, Mind Over Mutant 2008 and then Insane Trilogy in, in 2017. So it, it makes sense. And unfortunately they are making a mobile game for Crash this year too. But it's nice to see that, you know, it's, it's, it's getting some love again. And hopefully we can have a renaissance for Spyro too. But that's a solid... If I were, I don't want to rate it because I'm not done. So when I finish it or get close to finishing it, because platformers, I just, I suck at them. <laughs> um, but it, it it is really fun, and I can't wait to go back this weekend to, to play some more of it. But the other game I want to talk about is Star Wars Squadrons, the new flight sim um, type game that EA Motive has made. Uh, that you get to split time between Empire and. And Rebellion, and it's it's pretty much a con- it's almost like the fl- uh, Rogue Squadron games, except this one is first person, which is very 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 tough to get used to if you're not pl- used to playing games like that, like me. And while it is fun to play, there are a lot of bugs that need to be worked out, and I mean a lot. Like there are, I have had to restart missions over multiple times because I finish an objective and the game just kind of sits there and I've had to restart. I'm on, I'm barely to like the third official mission because I've had to restart the second mission, different parts of it at least four or five times each. So like there's this, there's this part where you have to uh, take down a bunch of tie fighters. It's a part of the rebellion part. And you then have to do some stuff before you go to a star destroyer. So you have to regroup with your team so I do all the I, I take out all the TIE fighters and then I regroup and like there's the little bubble that shows like your, your the NPC is talking to like move on to the next mission, but there's no sound and it's just you're just there and nothing is happening. And you just kind of like fly around and wait. And and that's infuriating. The other thing is it, it for out of all games, we're in 2020 and almost every game if I turn the Xbox off and I go back to it, it's supposed to pick up where it was, right? Not with Star Wars Squadrons. It just fucking crashes. Or it doesn't load properly. And it's like, come on, dude. I This game should not be doing this right now. It should not be. And then I'm, I'm in a couple groups on Facebook and I've seen other people complain about different bugs that I don't have. And it, it looks... Like, the character models are immaculate, but then in some cutscenes, like, the background and some foreground stuff looks, like, really choppy and just bad. Like, compared to what character models look like, some of this shit should not be happening in this game. Yes, it's a $40 game. Yes, it's not a full game. Blah, 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 blah. Like, no, dude. No. That's, that's just not how it should be happening. And those bugs better get fucking patched soon. Because EA, you guys don't want you don't want an early Battlefront 2 situation. And luckily, reviews are good. And the bugs aren't, like, astronomically bad. They're just frustrating, right? Which can make or break some people's experiences with a game. And my biggest issue is it can get very dizzy if you don't know what the fuck you're doing flying these ships around. And the controls are a little wonky at first, again, if you're not used to playing like a flight sim type game. So there, there's been times where I'm kind of like just flying in a circle or I'm flying way too far away from, from where um, from where I need to be. But luckily it's easily easy to get back on track. 
the power management system is is a very interesting system and it's you got to be very careful with how you do it because on some ships you can do um your your firepower or your engines on the x-wing you can do firepower engines and shields and if you focus too much on one it will degrade you in the other like you can you have to recharge your shots sometimes very quickly if you don't have your your power balanced properly if you don't do enough on your shields with x-wings you can get blown out of the, out of space like almost immediately so it is a very very fun thing to do uh, it takes aspects of of the original battlefront 2 where you have to like destroy like sub ships sometimes and there's different things you can do in it 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 it's a space battle Star Wars game that we've always wanted. It's just the first person thing is what really fucks me up. And I know that that's what they were trying to go for. And I get it and I applaud it. Maybe they'll add a, a third person one day. I doubt it. But Or maybe I'll just get like flight controls, which probably not going to do because I don't want to spend the money on that. <laughs> but it, it it's not hard on a controller, thank God. It, it's very intuitive. It's very fr- user-friendly. And you can always invert it, which usually tend to lend itself better to flight control, and I might do that. Uh, Playing in VR, though, would probably be... Oh, God, that would be sickening for some people. Not gonna lie. Other than that, though, the gameplay is smooth. It really is. And it's, it's fun to play. And surprisingly, it's better to fly in an X Wing than a TIE Fighter. I will say that. But... I do want to get my hands on other ships, which you don't get to do too much in the campaign. I'm going to try and dabble more in, in multiplayer. A-wings kind of suck, uh, just because they're way too fidgety, which makes sense from a lore standpoint, uh, as in because A-wings are supposed to be those nimble, like like extreme fighter craft. Uh, no shields, really, and, and meant to just zoom, zip and zoom around the, 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 the combat zone. But I do want to try Y-Wings. I do want to try the U-Wing. And um, granted, on the Empire side, I think it's a TIE... Regular TIE Fighter? I don't remember if it's a TIE Advanced. There's the TIE Scout ship, which is from Rogue One. And I forget what the fourth TIE ship is. I think it's probably a Interceptor. But actually, let me look at that right now. Okay, so it's a TIE Fighter... X, uh, TIE Fighter, TIE Interceptor, TIE Bomber, and TIE Reaper, which is that, like, TIE Scout ship. Then X-Wing, A-Wing, Y-Wing, and U-Wing. So, I, I hope they add more, I hope they add more ships later down the line to this game, or if they make a sequel or anything like that. But, that's definitely some more ships I do want to try out just to see how, because they all fly very differently and luckily they they made it that they fly differently. Because if they all flew the same it'd be very, very infuriating, you know what I mean? So it's it's good that they did that. Otherwise it would just be like, not fun, dude. Not fun. And I, I like I said, it it's just been a little frustrating to play the game, so that's why I haven't gotten too far in it. But once they, they, I'm going to give it more, more time. But again, with, with it being those, those things are very like, they're not game breaking. They're just very frustrating and it's, it's upsetting to play. So hopefully if those get fixed soon, otherwise I'm still going to just play it and just see how far I can get before I throw a controller for sure. But unfortunately, like I said, I, I just, I wanted to talk that I tried it and, if it didn't have those issues, I would be talking more about it, but it, it just, it made me put the controller down, and you don't want that to happen. And hopefully other people are having better experiences. Like I said, the reviews are actually coming in pretty good for it, but it, it, it's just, those bugs have to be fixed, man. They just do. But that's all I wanted to talk about about those games. Um, so let's talk about some other things. So the... Pokemon Company and Nintendo finally released more information on the Crown Tundra, the next expansion for Pokemon Sword and Shield. And it will release on October 22nd. Uh, Plus we got some new information on some of the modes that are going to be coming to the game. And 
Uh, so they're adding all the legendaries, pretty much. So those are all going to be in the raid dens and everything like that. So that's really awesome. They also announced uh, that there's going to be new quests. And you'll be able to explore the dens. Uh, all the legendary Pokemon in the series so far. There's going to be some new mythical Pokemon. Um, plus we get the new Galarian versions of Articuno, Zapdos, and Moltres, who we've talked about. Um, the biggest new thing is called Dynamax Adventures, where you can you and three other players can explore caves and take on battles against Dynamax Pokemon. So that way, I guess it depends on how you take your routes. So they're almost like dungeons from what it looks like. Um, kind of playing into that whole raid idea and, and things like that that Pokemon's been leaning towards. Uh, also announced is a new feature called the Galarian Star Tournament. Which is a new endgame event, which you can battle alongside trainers uh, that you've met throughout Sword and Shield. So you can take on gym leaders and things like that. And that way, um, some other new things that, that maybe some players that have pretty much done everything they possibly can, can do. And then, I guess on uh, November 6th, you'll be able to get new bundled versions of Sword and Shield. With their expansion passes, so uh, they haven't announced pricing or anything like that. And then, th now uh, going on now, you can get different Pikachu's with different uh, hats on through mystery gift passwords. Uh, the first one, if you guys want a Ash Catch Ash Hat Pikachu, uh, the code is P one K A C H U G E T. So Pikachu Get, but with a number one instead of an I. Uh, you can do that. There's instructions on the Pokemon uh, website, so Pokemon.com. So definitely go check out there. Um, we don't know if there's any more DLC planned after this. We still don't know what's going on with Zeruda, the other new mythical Pokemon that was supposed to come out with a new movie that, of course, wasn't has been delayed because of 2020. But uh, October 22nd, you will be able to play the Crown Tundra. Uh, also announced, Pokemon Home and Pokemon Go will finally get their connectivity. You will be able to trade Pokemon back and forth between them, so you can finally take Pokemon Go, Pokemon from Pokemon Go to your Sworn Shield games, which you could do in Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee. On similar to Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee, there will be functionality to be able to catch Meltan and Melmetal, which are currently only available uh, if you complete if you complete special research in Pokemon Go, or if you trade a Pokemon from Let's Go Pikachu or Let's Go Eevee. But uh, that does not have a firm date yet, though. That is expected before the end of the year. But I cannot wait, because people like me, I'm almost done with, with my Pokedex. And all I really need is a couple Pokemon from Sword, because I played Shield first, and I'm just beating that still. Uh, and then I need Melmetal and Meltan. So... Up until Zeruda gets released, and of course the Crown Tundra, I will pretty much have every single uh, Pokemon except for just a few minor ones. So it's 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 frustrating when you can only catch them through special stuff with Go. And uh, granted, it's a lot easier getting mythical Pokemon than it used to be in the past. So I, it, that is a plus. But it's it's finally fun to be able to do all this. Anyway. That's it for Pokemon news. Um, also announced, we got uh, the announcement of Games with Gold and PSN Plus for this month. I know we're a week in, but, you know, it's uh, hard to talk about that stuff when we record the day before and the news doesn't come out until, you know, a couple days into the month. Uh, Games with Gold for Xbox is Slay Away Camp, Made of Skur, Sphinx... And the Cursed Mummy, so you can see they're all Halloween-themed. And Costume Quest, a very famous, popular 360 um, game. And over on PSN Plus on PlayStation, get Need for Speed, Payback, and Vampire. Uh, those are your games for the entire month on the PlayStation side. And then, how about this? A Twitch streamer has broken a record. His name is GP Hustler on Twitch. And he has broken the record for longest concurrent stream at a th continuous stream, I should say, a thousand hours straight, even going so far as running errands, sleeping, all while on stream, all while on stream. It, it's it's nuts that someone has done this. He wants to be the first 
24 hour 24 7 streamer um he had started it as a 24 hour marathon went to 30 hours and then beyond i just this is crazy the previous record was 200 hours which is is i i don't know man the the that's that's insane dude he wants to break the official recognized Guinness World Record of 161 hours. And um, beginning January 1st, 2020, I guess he's going to keep streaming till then. Uh, he, he's turning into a real life, a real life Truman show. <laughs> Essentially is what this is becoming. <laughs> uh, if you guys know that movie. I guess he plays a lot of games and other things. So it, it's it's... Interesting to see that he's got people watching and that he can go for that long and that his bandwidth and his internet company allows it. I, uh, he better hope he doesn't have one of those companies that, that throttles your data as, as a cable provider because that would fucking suck if he did because he probably blew past whatever like allotment he had. But that's that's crazy. A thousand fucking hours. Just nonsense, man. But how about this? Announced last Thursday, so the day after we recorded last week, a new DLC package was announced for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Steve and the Elder Man and some other characters from Minecraft are the new fighters being added uh, in a deal that Mo Yang has said has been in the works for almost five years. Almost five years it took for them to negotiate a deal to get him into Super Smash Bros. And... That has to be before the the Microsoft deal, I think, if I'm not mistaken. So that means they've been working on Super Smash Bros. Ultimate for five years. And, oh no, they've been with Xbox since 2014. So about a year after, about a year after they were purchased by, um... A year after they were purchased by Microsoft, did did that happen? So that's um interesting, though. Steve, Steve and mine in uh, Super Smash Bros. That's going to be a interesting thing to see. Already, they've had like shown Kirby when he sucks in Steve, and Kirby turns into Minecraft Kirby, and it's, it's a square blocky Kirby that's not used to being seen. But uh, you can get that now if you have Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. So that is a new character available. Um, how about this? You guys see the new bullshit concerning, uh, Spider-Man on the remastered Spider-Man for PS5? In, in one of the weirdest moves I've ever seen a company do, and, and in regards to a remaster, is they've completely replaced the motion cap, motion capture actor in the remastered Spider-Man for PS5. And they did so because they said, quote, unquote, I'm paraphrasing here, uh, to more look more in line with Yuri Lowenthal, the voice actor uh, who plays Peter in the game. But other people were like, nah, dude, that looks like Tom Holland. And, and it's just a very strange move to make, especially when the game was supposed to be like separate from the MCU, and now you're making someone look as close as possible to MCU. as po And it's like, nah, that's sketch as fuck dude and the memes about it are hilarious but it's just like why did you change the motion capture actor like why it doesn't make any sense and their their excuses for it don't make any sense either it's like he doesn't look then why didn't you just get the the person doing the voice to do the mocap like why do you have to go get someone who looks like him when you can just get him. Right? And then now he looks even younger than the character he's supposed to be playing. It, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense logically. It doesn't make sense graphically. I just, I don't know. And, and it's, it's just, why did they do this? Why? It, it just, it's dumb. It's dumb all around. It's dumb all around. But speaking of next gen, 
both PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X's have been going out into the wild. Um, Microsoft released a couple Series X's out to journal- games journalists, and they were given a, a select number of titles to play, and that list obviously keeps increasing. Um, but they were able to get an idea of the user interface, so it looks like live themes are finally coming. They've been able to test um, run times. Uh, they've been able to test performance and things like this. And the one thing that is crazy to me is that the load times are way faster than expected. And uh, was it Tom Warren at The Verge uh, was able to do a comparison and got some uh, different loading times for different games. I'm pulling that up right now. And hold on. So Tom Warren, he put out, he actually made a nice little chart. Uh, Call of Duty Warzone normally takes 21 seconds on one, on the One X, takes 16 on Series X. Red Dead Redemption 2 takes about a minute 35 on the One X, 52 seconds on, on the Series X. Outer Worlds from 27 seconds to 6. Evil Within 43 to 33. Sea of Thieves, a minute 21 to 20 seconds. That's a full minute off. Warframe, a minute 31 to 25 seconds. Assassin's Creed Odyssey, a minute 7 to 30. No Man's Sky, 2 minutes 13 to a minute 27. And Destiny 2, almost 2 minutes down to 43 seconds. That is crazy. That is crazy, crazy, crazy news. And uh, they even had like a little gif in the article where the user interface on Destiny 2... And your character menu just instantly faster, man. And and quick resume, they said, is a great feature. It's just overall, it's nice, quick, fast, and, and more than they expected. Um, a lot of companies, especially Digital Foundry, uh, were able to test the performance on games and to see that a lot of games that even struggled for 30, even on the Xbox One X, are now hitting a stable, smooth 60 frames per second and in 4K uh, on the Series X. Almost no frame drops, no screen tearing. And uh, Hitman, they got at a stable 60. Dead or Alive 6 in 4K. Monster Hunter World um, on solid 60. Maintain no uh, very slight, slight dips, just one or two at the most. Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Uh, a solid 60. So a lot of games, and that's that's over at Digital Foundry. And they, they even, even Grand Theft Auto 4, Grand Theft Auto 4, which wasn't even running at 60 on the One X, is running a nice solid 60 on the Series X. So it just shows you the graphical output and power of the CPU and GPU together. Uh, obviously, we'll learn more as more games are allowed to be previewed in it, but it, it's it's... Nice to see a lot of that stuff. Uh, like I said, the new user interface was was shown off. Uh, and then we finally got an idea of how much usable space is on the one terabyte SS internal eight, uh, SSD. So it's a one, ternal, one terabyte internal SSD uh, of which 802 gigabytes of usable storage. So unfortunately, it's not the full, which makes us wonder how much is going to be usable on the PlayStation 5. But... It uh, looks like there is essentially, that's the base unit with just the user interface. So it's almost 200 gigs that they're using. Uh, I guess on the One X, you had a one terabyte internal, but uh, you only had 780.9. So it was just over 200 on that one. And they do have a new storage management screen. You'll be able to like... um delete some parts of games to allow for better use of your your hard drive space or solid state drive space as well it's not a hard drive anymore (laughs) and just a lot of games are getting bigger and bigger with 4k assets and things like that so hell call of duty modern warfare is now totals 192 fucking gigs so (laughs) that's that's a big fucking chunk of data right there that's insane dude most other oh god 192 gigs fuck fuck but that's pretty fucking big anyway 
Um, that's Series X. That's out in the wild. Some PlayStation 5s now have also been sent out to Japanese uh, media outlets. Not, not Western just yet. And some interesting things have come out other than how fucking big it is. Thing's a giant. But they're still not showing off the UI, surprisingly, which is very, very strange. But what is the biggest news to come out of this, especially in Japan. So in North America, we're used to the X button being the default button in on a PlayStation, just like the A button on Xbox and other consoles. For the first time in PlayStation's history, Sony is switching the X as the standard button to, for all regions, which blows my mind. It's been the O or circle button in Japan this whole time. And I'm thinking to myself, what? The button on the right-hand side is their confirm button? And, and granted, it just speaks to me, uh, like Western audiences, obviously the bottom button is going to be the main one, but it's interesting to see how they use the right circle button, which is back everywhere else, as their confirm button. And that is going to fuck up so many people in Japan. Because they're going to be like, oh, I'm pressing the wrong thing. Like, it's going to... I can't wait to see how that causes a shitstorm on, on, on like, streaming and stuff for people out of Japan. Or other regions that maybe it wasn't X. And I guess it's very quiet, the new one. Which is funny, because a lot of people's... If you see a lot of tweets on PS4s, they all sound like jet engines. Including mine. Um, some other cool features, but anyway, like I was saying, the other, the other cool thing that, um, they've done is on the controller is depending on which player you are, they have different lights that will light up. So like there's four lights. If you're player four, if you're player one, there's one player two is two. And the colors on the controller are different from the light bar, which I think they did on PS4 anyway. Um, but now you'll be able to see based on the the which how many lights are lit up for which player you are. So that that's pretty cool too. And I guess the adaptive triggers and haptic feedback are are really cool. The SSD is is quick as well like they've been touting. And I don't know, man, this thing is it's big and it's fucking ugly. And I guess they were only able to show Astro's Playroom and Godfall in action. I don't know why they're being so fucking coy on this thing. But it just, I don't know. I can't wait to see what else they have in store for, for it to show off. Because um, it's a month away and we barely know anything. So it's it's just, it's weird that they're, they're being very secretive just in general. But I, I know we probably won't have to wait long for everything. Because it's, again, like I said, it's a month away. A month and a week. Oh, excuse me. But that's it for gaming uh, right now. I know we spent the bulk of the episode talking about that, but there was a lot of stuff to talk about this week. So so it made sense that we would talk about that for, for a majority of the time. But there is some uh, quick TV news I want to talk about before we get into the movie stuff. Uh, so Queeby, the uh, Quick Bytes, as it was called, is the mobile streaming platform on phones only. It was started by Jeff Katzenberg, uh, who used to work at DreamWorks and, of course, used to work at Disney. And I uh, had the most recent season of Reno 911 and, and things like that on it. Well, it's failing. And they're already looking options to sell the company or, or merge. It's only been out for six months. And this is per The Hollywood Reporter. They're looking for several options to keep it afloat. Uh, even thinking about a public option. Which it's pretty sad if you can't get enough users to support your platform. Uh, they were already considering going on computers because they didn't have enough people watching on phone. And uh, per an official statement, it says, Queeby has successfully launched a new business and pioneered a new form of storytelling and a state-of-the-art platform. Meg and Jeffrey, Meg Whitman, are committed to continuing to build the business in the way that gives the greatest experience for customers, the greatest value for shareholders, and greatest opportunity for employees. Yeah, I don't think that's true if you're already looking for a way out. And it launched with $2 billion in, in resources. Uh, it has diminishing returns, I guess, of only 4.5 initial downloads and 1.6 million subscribers. 
uh, per Hollywood Reporter. That is not fucking good. And it's got some good stuff and a, a nice user interface, but it's just... The stuff was dumb. And even, like, people want Reno 911. They don't want, like, 10-minute episodes. They want full 30-minute episodes, right? And this bullshit where you can flip it to vertical was dumb as fuck. I'm going to tell you right now. Dumb as fuck. So after I watched Reno, like, I canceled my Queeby subscription. And I'll go back when Reno is back. But (laughs) Queeby's dead. (laughs) Yeah, Don't launch something new in 2020. (laughs) But I guess... Uh, How about this? You guys really like Disney Plus? I like Disney Plus. Well, if you're not able to be at home and you're socially distancing like you're supposed to, Disney Plus has launched a new group watch feature. So you can watch with friends if you're not all together. And it's uh, launched already. And I guess they tested it in in some other places. So it's now live in the United States. Uh, You can uh, up to seven... Disney Plus subscribers to sync streams and you can watch uh, together when you're apart, essentially. Every title in Disney Library, uh, Disney Plus Library, and uh, you can do it in different platforms and web browsers, mobile and apps, and certain boxes and TVs. And uh, when it's a Premier Access title, so like if you wanted to watch Mulan, Mulan together, everyone has to pay for it. And... There's no text chat option, which I guess because they want people to watch the movie and not fucking text each other. And you can do real-time reactions, though. That's kind of cool. So it's like a Facebook Live almost or or whatever. And there's uh, different emojis. Uh, You can invite different users with group watch. Uh, It's on the details page of your uh, whatever movie or series you're watching. And you can only uh, send invites from mobile or web. So you have to do it that from your phone or from a browser if you're watching on like Xbox or your smart TV or something like that. But you can, they can join from anywhere when the, after you send the invite. And it's to every user in the U.S., not kids' accounts. Uh, everyone can pause, rewind, or fast forward for the whole group, including the host. Uh, I guess if you're in Europe, though, you guys got to wait just a little bit longer. And uh, you can fill out a watch calendar and stuff like that. So that way, uh, not everyone has to be in the same room. So that's always nice. Everyone's a little more comfortable at their own places, usually. You know, like you remember going to like a friend's house for movie night, like a bunch of you guys, and there weren't enough seats for everyone, and somebody had to sit on the floor. <laughs> and that is now a thing of the past, so that that's always good. Um, but it's nice that they implemented that feature. That's a that's a fun feature that's been added. I think Netflix has it, or there's like a way to do it through like a different extension for for Netflix. So um, hopefully they'll they'll do it next. Um, speaking of Disney Plus, we also now have an announcement on who will be playing Miss Marvel in their upcoming Miss Marvel show. They have cast a, a virtually unknown newcomer uh, whose name is Iman Kalani. And she will portray the young uh, Muslim-American teenager from Jersey City uh, as Miss Marvel or Kamala Khan. Uh, If you've been playing Marvel's Avengers, you've gotten a little more introduction into her her as a character. She is an inhuman with the ability of uh, some kind of elasticity ability um, where she can change her size at will. So it's nice to see they they cast someone new, young, and and, uh, different so that way that person can can grow into the role as properly as possible. Um, how about this? Cops is back, but not if you're in the U.S. Uh, they Cops will begin filming again, uh, despite being canceled. However, it will only air internationally, so you won't be able to watch it here in the U.S., I guess, without a VPN. And... It will only be international markets. They started resu- uh, they resumed filming in uh, September, so last month. Uh, they started in Spokane, Washington, but we don't know if other uh, other police departments are going to allow it. And that's crazy. Been on the air since 1989, 
33rd season. Crazy, man. I wonder if it will will come back or if Live PD will or anything like that. I just know it's a very tense situation in the US right now regarding police departments and filming police departments. So it's it's going to be definitely interesting to see how that will live on and I I don't even know if if they were still getting like large viewership numbers like they used to. So maybe it might not be worth it to bring it back and maybe the rest of the world just wants to see how cops are in the US, especially after this year, but Cops is coming back internationally. Probably just need a VPN to watch it. And final bit of TV news here. Uh, The Rock has announced the casting for his new show that's going to be based on his life. That will be premiering on NBC. And um, it's called The Young Rock. It's a comedy series. And he he shared a bunch of the casting news uh, on his Instagram page. And three different people have been cast to play um, him throughout the years. Uh, An actor, Adrian Grohl, will be playing 10-year-old Little Dewey. I guess that was his real nickname from his godparents. Bradley Constant will play the 15-year-old version of The Rock. And a star from the show, Marco Polo, Uli Latukefu, has been cast to play The Rock at 20 years old. Um, when he was still playing football at the University of Miami at the U. Uh, also announced was uh, Stacy Leilua will be playing his mother, Ada Johnson. Uh, Joseph Lee Anderson will be playing his father, Rocky Johnson. And then Anna Tusila will play his grandmother, Leah Maiva. Maivia. And it will be dedicated to his father, who uh, died earlier this year, the first episode. And per Variety, it will chart his childhood, quote, from growing up in a strong and resilient family to being surrounded by the wild characters of of his professional wrestling family to playing football at the University of Miami. It will explore the roller coaster that has shaped Johnson into the man he is today and the larger-than-life characters he's met along the way, unquote. Uh, Production is underway, and uh, it's uh, uh, supposed to premiere sometime next year on NBC. So keep an eye out for that. Sounds like it's just a the rock version of everybody hates of everybody hates Chris. <laughs> that's funny, but that's it for TV news. Uh, we will talk about the boys next week. It is the season finale this week of the boys, uh, as well as the season finale of Lower, Lower Decks, Star Trek Lower Decks. Both of those shows have just been on fucking fire, dude. The this the the most recent episode of the boys that ended in a crazy way that I don't think anyone fucking saw coming. That that was a nutso ending, man. Just pop, 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 pop. Anyone who's watched The Boys knows knows what I'm talking about. That was that was a nuts ending, man. Um but we'll talk about how both of those shows end next week. Uh, that's it for TV. Just got a little bit of movie stuff to talk about as we wrap up here. So uh, James Bond, No Time to Die, is a film that was supposed to come out this year after it had already been delayed multiple times. Well, uh, it is now releasing in April. James Bond, No Time to Die, is now releasing in April of 2021 because that is the world we live in. What was it supposed to come out last fall? And then it was supposed to come out in the spring after it got delayed again. And then it got delayed to this fall. And then it got delayed again. So that's what's happening. Yeah. It was supposed to come out in April. Then it got delayed to November. And now it's coming out in April of 2021. So a full year. It was delayed a full, full year. (sighs) Lovely, right? Just lovely. How awesome is it, huh? But, hey, to hold you over, they have announced a new James Bond podcast. It is going to be a behind-the-scenes podcast. So interviews with all the cast and crew and director... And that will launch later this year. 
on uh, your favorite podcast streaming service. Um, speaking of podcasts, Batman is now getting a podcast uh, that will go dive into the inner psyche of Bruce Wayne. It's being written by David Goyer, who wrote the Dark Knight trilogy, uh, and that will premiere later this year as well. So look out, be on the lookout for those two podcasts. I know a lot of companies have been successful with podcasts lately. Marvel did one for Wolverine and another character, and um, it's a it's a it's a different way of viral marketing if you will, and it works. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. This is a little different, though, because it dives into the psyche of Bruce Wayne, so not so much Batman. Anyway, I'll check it out. I love Batman, so I like to consume a lot of different Batman media, and I've been upset with the current animated offering, so I I do want to give that a chance, and uh, podcasts are a lot easier to consume. But in what is now the strangest movie announcement ever... They are making a film about the making of The Godfather. It will star star Oscar Isaac as Francis Ford Coppola, as well as Jake Gyllenhaal in the role of the the studio head that greenlit the film. Uh, It's being directed by Barry Levinson, who also directed uh, Good Morning Vietnam, Rain Man, Bugsy, Toys, which I love that movie, actually. Envy, that's a hilarious movie. A lot of, he's done a lot of movies with Robin Williams. The most recent movie he did was Rock the Casbah. That's a movie from 2015. Uh, anyway, it's called Francis and the Godfather. Francis Ford Coppola gave his official blessing. Jake Gyllenhaal will play Robert Evans, who was a um, famous Hollywood producer. Oh, God, I was married a lot. And um, he also... He was an studio executive. Uh, he did Rosemary's Baby, The Love Story, The Godfather, Chinatown. So a lot of influential, influential, famous movies that are just Hollywood classics as well. So it, it's it's no surprise that he was probably involved with, with, with The Godfather too as well. So, oh, look at that. His final film was How to Lose a Ten- Guy in Ten Days. It's a good movie too. But, um, and Popeye. Oh, that's funny. That's really funny. Anyway, <laughs> as I get uh, too distracted here, that is a lot of movies that he had his, uh, had a hand in, and uh, he was the head of um, he was the head of production at Paramount. So he's done a lot of had has hand in, in a lot of movies. So it's nice to see them. Make, I, I don't know why they're making this story, but it, again, at the same time, uh, it makes sense, I guess, to see something like that done but anything about the godfather i'll take to be honest but it'll be interesting oscar isaac's a great actor and to see him as francis ford coppola will actually be interesting to see as well um but hey i know we were talking about borat 2 a while back well we have more official news it will premiere on amazon on october 23rd Uh, we got a new trailer and the movie looks hilarious and it's funny because like people know Borat now after his movie got famous, so like they're they're gonna do that. So yeah, October twenty third on Amazon Prime, and it's gonna be called Subsequent Film. Hold on, it's it's a really long dumb name, just that goes along with the first Borat film, and uh, this one it looks like they're gonna be messing with Mike Pence and the election and Trump and everything like that. So. It's it's um definitely hilarious. So this time the poster has him wearing like a mask as like a monokini. So like in the old one he had that like banana hammock ba- bathing suit, but now it's like a mask. So it's called Borat Subsequent Movie Film Delivery of Prodigious Bribe to American Regime for Make Benefit Once Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan. Oh my god. Uh and if you guys remember the first one was called Borat Cultural Learnings of America for Make Benefit Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan. It's very nice. So expect a lot of very nice to come back out and mock mocking of Borat. Jesus Christ, that's going to be annoying for a while. Oh gosh, Rudy Giuliani and Mike Pence are in it. Oh gosh, that is going to be hilarious. So I guess they've been filming since last year. 
I just think it's hilarious that 20th Century Fox and Rupert Murdoch are greenlighting this because it's just you wouldn't expect Fox to to approve of this since it's going after their people. Um, granted, 20th Century Fox isn't making this one anymore because you know they were sold. But anyway, they were involved with the original, and I think this is going to be hilarious. Half of these people have to know who he is at this point. So, like, it you can't fake it as much like the first one. And he dressed up as Trump at the CPAC conference this year, but nobody knew it was him. I just, I, I don't know how many people can get away with, like, most people know who Borat is at this point, right? So, I don't know how, how, like, it, they don't believe it, right? It's like, if you don't know who Borat is, then you've been living under a rock for, like, multiple decades. So, I wonder if it will work as much this time as it did the last time. And that's gonna be interesting to see for sure. But, I can't wait to see. And then... Uh, another movie delay to talk about. Luckily, it's one that isn't too bad. Fast 9 has been delayed from April of next year to May of next year. So again, it will be now a full calendar year of when it was originally supposed to release. After it had been delayed about 11 months, now it has a full 12-month delay from original release. And we gotta wait just a tiny bit longer for Fast 9 which is presumably going to space if all the rumors are to be believed. And then I got some dumb Disney shit to talk about. So by a show of hands, how many people wanted a prequel Lion King story about Mufasa? Anyone? Anyone? No. Okay, good. That's what I thought. So why the fuck is Disney doing it? Look, really, dude? A prequel to the Lion King about Mufasa? Get the fuck out of here, dude. Like, just go. Just stop. You guys lost a shit ton of money, and you're going to take a risk. And you you don't want to take risk on some shit, but you're going to take a risk on this bullshit? Just because it's a Lion King doesn't mean it fucking works. Lion King 2, failure. Lion King 1 and a half fucking sucked, right? Make a Timon and Pumbaa movie. People want that. I guarantee you more people want a movie about Timon and Pumbaa with the Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner version. Over a Mufasa movie. Right? Dumb shit. Uh, anyway, they have cast Tinkerbell for their live action Peter Pan movie. Which, again, I know they want to just live action everything, but doesn't always work. Doesn't always work. But Peter Pan is ripe for it, even though... The last few Peter live-action Peter Pan movies have, uh, that aren't Disney have failed spectacularly. Especially Pan, the one with uh, Hugh Jackman. But that's what's happening. And um, Disney also announced that they have postponed their D23 Expo to 2022 uh, to better suit and be prepared for larger crowds. And with that, uh, they also announced that they will use it to celebrate the 100th anniversary of Walt Disney Studios. Uh, as it is a... Yeah, Walt Disney... Or Walt Disney Pictures. One of them is 100 years old. So, Disney Brothers Cartoon Studios, founded in 1923. Okay, so it's probably... Yeah, Walt Disney Animation Studios, because the Walt Disney Company... I guess the Walt Disney Company started in 1921 as the laugh studio. So I, I guess it will be the 100th anniversary of the Walt Disney Company, which makes sense. Yeah, because the Walt Disney Studios was 1923 as well. So they, they're preemptive, the 100th anniversary of, of Walt Disney Studios and animation, but then also uh, the 100th anniversary of technically Walt, the Walt Disney Company as a whole. So that makes sense, and I'm sure they'll have a lot more Marvel announcements as well. Um, and speaking of Marvel announcements, we found out who one of the villains in the third Tom Holland Spider-Man film will be. 
And it's Jamie Foxx playing Electro. And if you're sitting there thinking, wait a minute, Jamie Foxx has already been Electro in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah, he was Electro in Amazing Spider-Man 2, the, the Andrew Garfield one. So, people are now wondering that, does this mean we're getting a live-action Spider-Verse movie with Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield coming back? Does this mean there's some kind of crossover? Ha, however... Jamie Foxx followed that up and said his Electro will not be blue in the MCU. So, it's a new version of Electro that he's playing. And, I guess it's a new one. But he also posted a picture of, you know, something from the Spider-Verse. A scene from the Spider-Verse. So, I don't understand what's going on. What's going on, people? I I want them to do a live-action Spider-Verse, but I also want some kind of weird animation, live-action crossover into the Spider-Verse 2. So, like, I got a lot of questions, Disney and Marvel and Sony, and I want them answered now, bro. I know you're working on this movie. I know you're working on it. So let's let's get some answers, folks. Let's, Let's see what's going on. Let's fill me in. Fill us in. We want to know. But with that, that is the end of today's episode of Nick's Nerd News. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. Uh, check out nicksnerdnews.com when you get a chance, where you can listen to the show right in your browser, or you can find links to all of our podcast pages, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. While you're there, also check out our social media page, so you can see our feeds from our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, where we post a lot of fun memes. Um, they are not my own, but they are ones that I find on the internet. I try to give credit where credit is due when it's available. Um, but it is a lot of funny memes I like to post on there. So you guys can, uh, use me as an alternative to, uh, r slash (laughs) memes, you know, (laughs) I can be, uh, your easy place to find them instead of Reddit or imager. But thank you guys again for listening. I'm your host, Nick. Like and subscribe if you want. Share and blast us from the rooftops if you want. I don't care what you do. I'm just happy you guys uh, keep throwing me a bone by by giving a listen. And uh, hopefully we got some fun stuff to talk about in the coming weeks. Like I said, we are about a month away from the new consoles. So we are going to be talking about those a whole lot. And hopefully soon some other things are going to be coming. But... Other than that, thank you guys. I will catch you guys on the flip side.